Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame, or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. I am so excited today to be joined by Amanda Huffman. Amanda and I recently met at a conference, and I just knew I had to have her on my show after she shared just some of her journey. She has quite a story that I know others will be able to relate to on so many different levels. She went from an airman to a mom, from active duty to diaper duty, and as a military mom myself, the work she is now doing is such a blessing to military families. Welcome, Amanda, to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so thrilled that you're here. Before we jump into everything, I have a couple of fun facts about you that you shared with me, and you can elaborate as you want. I know how to cross-stitch, and I'm currently working on my four-year-old's baby cross-stitch because he found the one I had for his older brother and wanted to see his. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah, he was so mad about the fact that he didn't have one that I had to do something about it. That sounds like baby books. Like the first child, you fill in the baby book and not as much on the second and the third. And Okay, your next one is I'm pretty active and healthy. A few years ago, I ran a half marathon to Disney in California in Disney World, Florida in the same year to get a coast to coast medal. And you also love Disney. Yes. And I actually ran a half marathon with that four year old while I was six months pregnant. So at Disney. Oh, my goodness. I I applaud you. Uh, that is military life training continuing well beyond military life, right? Those PTs that you have to get in. So Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do and your family. So I served in the Air Force for six years and my husband and I met during the Reserve Officer Training Corps program when we were in college and we both were on active duty together and he's still in the Air Force. And when my first son was born, we decided that it would make more sense for one of us to get out of the military. And because my career field deployed a lot more, it made more sense for me to get out. And so now I'm a mom of two, and I also have a podcast called Women of the Military, and I wrote a book by the same name, Women of the Military, and I get to share the stories of military women, and I just really love what I get to do. Yes, and I've gone and listened to some of your podcasts, and it is just a blessing of what you're doing, and I just love the work, how God is using you. So Amanda, could you share with us about your time in the Air Force and your deployment? Yeah, so I was an Air Force civil engineer. I started out at Holloman Air Force Base, where my husband was already stationed at, and I did civil engineering work. I was helping with the F-117 Nighthawk was being retired and the F-22 Raptor was coming to the base. So there was lots of construction going on and it was a really busy time. And 
about three or so years into being in the Air Force, I got tasked to deploy to Afghanistan with the Army, and I ended up going on this crazy adventure to Afghanistan where we were attached to an infantry unit, and we were going outside the base to go on different convoys and meet with the local Afghan villagers. And we also had a bunch of construction projects, schools, roads, bridges, government buildings, and anything that they wanted us to build that we were inspecting. And so it was kind of a crazy, long adventure. I was gone with training and my deployment for 361 days. Just under a year. And during that time, was that a time of more friendliness or in in Afghanistan, or was there a lot of battles and things happening? I would say it was more of a friendlier time. The area that we were in was the northern part of Afghanistan. And so it had a lot of influence over the person who It's more complicated, but there was someone in Panjshir province, which was close to where we were, who was actually murdered. But his influence was still in that area, and it was very pro-American and allied forces. And so we were in a relatively safe area, and we were also in the same battle space as the French, because the French battle space was there, and then the PRT was there. And so the Afghan fighters or the insurgents that were there were more likely to attack the French and not us because of the different rules of engagement and the French were an easier target. And so we got attacked a handful of times, but not very often. And we were pretty lucky most of the time. Yes, that is a blessing for sure that you guys were not attacked or in combat as much as others were in Afghanistan. So here's a question that I ask each guest on the Fully Restored podcast is for them to briefly tell me their own Fully Restored story. Could you share that with us today? Yeah, so I got home from my deployment and there were some really hard things that happened while I was overseas, but I was home and I just said, well, I don't have to worry about that. Well, I actually, I did go ask a counselor for help. And she was like, you're fine. You just got home from a war zone. It just takes time to adjust. And so I kind of took her advice of you're fine and just kept going forward, even though I still felt like there was something wrong and I didn't know what was going on. But that one meeting really tripped me up in ever trying to get help because she had told me you'll be fine. It just takes time. But after my first son was born, I really struggled with anger. And it was like anger where I would like lose control and not blackout, but like not mentally be there. And it was like really scary because I had a little a little boy and I wanted to protect him. And I knew this couldn't be normal. And so I started going to get help through Celebrate Recovery and was able to learn tools to protect I guess really listen to my mind and my body to be able to change how I reacted in different situations. And really one of the biggest things I learned was how to step back after something happened and figure out like what happened, what caused me to react the way that I did and to learn that it's okay to have emotions. I think for a long time, I just wanted to not ever get angry and not ever have emotions so that I could not react the way I did. But it wasn't that the emotions stopped. It was that I learned how to control those emotions and was able to make better choices and to be fully present 
in all situations. Was anger an issue for you before your deployment? I would say that anger is probably something that I've struggled with my whole life. And it just was intensified after my son was born and the and the deployment. Okay. Yeah. Anger is a very common symptom for a lot of things. You know, there's PTSD, depression. There's actually a lot of women and men who they may not identify as being sad, but they can identify as being irritable or angry. If everybody else would just leave me alone, I would be fine and um, kind of a short fuse. And, And those are symptoms of depression, but also symptoms of PTSD. So that was that was a real big struggle for you. But Celebrate Recovery seemed to be a place that really helped you um, get grounded and not fear your feelings, but learn to understand them and not let them control you. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I didn't do after coming home from my deployment was process my emotions because a lot of stuff like people think when you go overseas and you deploy, you are worried about the enemy who's going to attack you, but you're on this tiny base and there's a lot of dynamics going on and we had bad leadership and manipulative people. And so there was a lot of hurt and pain and anger that I had like stuffed down from the deployment and I'd never worked through because I was like, well, I'm never going to see those people again. So I can just ignore that. But I had to actually go through the process of forgiveness and be able to move on and not have that like way deep down inside of me. And that was what I think really was causing those moments where I couldn't control because I just already was on edge, but I didn't realize it. And it was because of that anger of what had happened overseas. What a good point that you just brought up that it's not just about the other countries, but it's also about the people that you're dealing with in the Air Force and in the um, Army and the different military of our side that was there. And that brings up the, the topic of being a woman in the military. And do you feel that part of what you were experiencing was because you were a woman in the military or was it just not the best leadership in general? It was probably a little bit of both. It was probably because my counterpart, the other engineer I was deployed with, was was also a woman. And I think there were things said about us behind our backs that people may not have listened to if we had been males. So I would say it probably had something to do with it because there was like a double standard and it just is harder to be a woman and be in the military just because you have to overcome so many different things. So I would say probably, I think that there are lots and lots of problems with the leadership on our team. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were males who struggled, but we definitely got I got not picked on, but we were like, I don't know how I'm trying to think of another word, but we were kind of picked on more than everyone else because of our gender and our role in the PRT. Okay. Oh, so it wasn't just your gender. It was your role there as well. Yeah, because civil engineers, the cool thing about being a civil engineer is like you build a building or you build. And so it was really easy to see the work that was being done because it was right in front of the people. And so we got a lot of praise for the work being done. And I think a lot of the other work that was being done was stuff that was like behind the scenes that you didn't actually see happen. And so I think there was a little bit of resentment toward the praise and they thought we didn't do anything special. It was just that we were in the job that we were in and you could really see hands on what was happening. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So really it was a a combination of things, but 
in general, it is hard for women in the military at times. So one of the struggles you dealt with once you left the military, so we're going to kind of fast forward here, which is common for many who serve our country, whether you're a male or female, was you had an identity crisis. Your sense of purpose had been in your job, your role in the military. However, when you left, you struggled with that. Could you share with us about this and how you found your sense of purpose once again for your own life? Yeah, I felt completely blindsided when I left the military because the military has you go through training when you leave. And they had been like, get a job, get a job, get a job. And I was nine months pregnant and planning to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was just like, I don't understand why you guys are like so focused on me getting a job. And then I left and became a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, oh, my role is now like a mom and I don't have a job per se. I Moms have the hardest job in the world, but it's so hard to understand that, especially when you're transitioning. Even though you hear people say that all the time, it just doesn't quite compute. And so I really struggled with my new role because before when I told people that I was a civil engineer, that I served in the Air Force and that I had deployed, they would be like, wow, you're so amazing. And then they, when I left the military, they were like, oh, you're a stay-at-home mom? Okay. And they wouldn't ever ask me anything about who I was and they definitely were not impressed. And so that was a big culture shift and like it kind of rocked my world in such a crazy way. So many women can identify with you right now that, you know, oh, you're just a mom. And like you said, that is mom's rocket because they are amazing. They're on shift 24-7. And in fact, my daughter, I can remember her telling me not too long ago, I don't know how you knew, mom, but you always knew when I was getting sick. And if I was, you know, in the bathroom getting sick, suddenly you're there holding my hair back. And it's like, you know, we have these superpowers of mom that we're just always there doing stuff because, and not really, we don't have superpowers. We do mess up. We're not perfect. But our identity becomes in our children and we really lose that sense of identity for ourselves. And so how did you begin to find your own identity? I think it was a mixture of having more fun as being a mom and not putting so much pressure on myself to be like the best perfectionist mom ever. I started to let go of my super critical and high expectations of what motherhood looked like. I started to enjoy my kids. And it really happened when I was pregnant with my second son because I really felt like I was the worst mother in the world. Like I wasn't doing a good enough job. I didn't love my oldest son enough because I had struggled so much with my identity shift that I guess I was blaming myself for how I felt. But then I got pregnant with my second son and he was still inside of me and I just couldn't wait for him to be there. And I just loved him so much. And through that love of the baby growing inside of me, I realized how much I actually loved my older son who was around two years old. And that just kind of I guess it shouldn't have been, I don't know how to explain it, but I kind of realized like, maybe I'm not a bad mom. Maybe I am doing okay. And with my youngest son, I was able to like, not be so focused on like how quickly he would sleep through the night or when the next stage would happen. And I really just enjoyed him being a baby. Not that it was easy, but it was just more enjoyable because I actually was present and not like looking for the next stage and 
it was just a totally different first year and it just changed who I was through his birth and the pregnancy. And that really brought healing definitely to your heart and to your emotions, your mind, your self image, and all of those things as you went through that second pregnancy. And you learn to give yourself grace that we're not perfect and being able to look back and say, okay, that was just a really rough time in that pregnancy. And that really wasn't about him. It was just, it was a difficult season, a difficult time in my life during that pregnancy. But now I'm on the other side of this, I've got better tools. And so now I'm just enjoying life. And I wonder how many women listening right now can completely relate with you on letting go of those expectations of being a perfect mom, of just enjoying the moment, being in the moment with our kids and not comparing ourselves. We live in such a society. I'm thinking when my kids were little, because I'm now a grandma, I thought back then we compared ourselves to one another. But now even more so because of social media, you know, this image of a perfect mom, and we just don't see what's behind the scene or what's on the other side of the picture that's not being taken because it looks like everything's perfect, but everything else is a mess on the other side. But you're bringing to light that, hey, we just need to be in the moment with our kids. We need to enjoy that and let go of those expectations on ourselves, and just love our kids. And if, you know, everything gets messy because you're doing a fun project, okay, you can clean it up later, right? Is that kind of what you did? Yeah. Last night we made homemade chicken nuggets and my friend sent me a text and she's like, how did you stand the mess? And I was like, well, I remember doing that with my mom. And so I guess that kind of fueled me to recreate that memory for them. And it wasn't that messy. I just swept the floor and cleaned off the counters. And I was kind of surprised how easy it was to clean it up. But like you said, it's just a mess. And like that memory is going to stay with me. And hopefully it'll stay with my kids because I still remember doing it with my mom. And so, yeah, just enjoying the moment, not worrying about the mess because you can just clean it up later. Absolutely. If our kids can sense if we're always anxious about a mess or other things, they can pick that up from us. So for you to have that carefree, I'm going to enjoy this moment. And if we make a mess, and I love that making homemade chicken nuggets, I never did that. So I thought they would eat it, but they were just like, no, we're not going to eat it. So it kind of backfired. But, oh. well. <laughs> so you're doing some pretty amazing things now in your life and ministry. Could you share how you're now helping others? Yeah. So I started the podcast, Women of the Military, and it started with like a deployment series that ended up being all women and then getting to hear more stories of women in the military. And so I wanted to share these stories because I felt like not enough people knew about what women have done in the military. And so I went on my little podcasting journey and I was expecting that my audience group would be mainly like women like me, veterans or women who are still in the service. But the most interesting or exciting segment of my audience is actually women who are looking to join the military because they have so many questions and they want to talk to women who've served in the military. And now they have a podcast full of episodes from all the different branches, different ranks, different career fields where they can listen and get advice. I also do uh, podcast episodes to give them advice on like what branch to join or things that I've learned. And they just light my fire of being able to help them and mentor them. 
and help them in their military journey. That is awesome. That is so amazing, Amanda. I I didn't realize that you had that segment of people part of your audience. And definitely, because there's not a lot of resources out there, you're able to share, because I did hear one of the podcasts of yours I heard was a group of you that were talking, and each person was sharing some of their experiences of being in the military. What a valuable tool for young women who are considering doing the same thing. I applaud you for that. That's awesome. So with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are a couple of things that you could share with our listeners as they begin their own journey of healing? The first thing is don't be afraid to get help. And like I said in the beginning, when I first got home from my deployment, I tried to get help. And the person who was there was like, you're fine. If you feel like there's something wrong, don't let comparison stop you. That was another thing that stopped me. If you feel like there's something wrong with you, go get a second opinion, get a third opinion until someone's willing to help you because you know your mind and your body better than anyone else. So if you think there's something wrong, don't not listen to your gut, go and find that help that you need. And then secondly, we talked a little bit about it before, but give yourself grace. I was so hard on myself as a stay-at-home mom when my first son was born, where I felt like every time my son didn't meet a different milestone at whatever the book said he should do, I would just see the words failure over my life. And when I finally let go of following the book and instead just started paying attention to my kids and enjoying them, it really changed my life for me and then for my kids because they were more free to be who they were and not push them to do this or that. And then lastly, there's hope on the other side. When I finally went to get help for Celebrate Recovery, I thought that there was no way I could change. I just was desperate that something had to change. And so I like to talk about how I felt like looking back at my life before I was in a dark room, but I had been in that dark room for so long, it felt like it was a normal room because my eyes had adjusted and it just was like, well, this is the way life is. But if I compare myself before I got help with Celebrate Recovery to where I am now, it's like I can see it was a dark place and a dark room and now I'm in the light. It's just so healing to see how there is change and you just have to take the first step. Absolutely. And I love those three helpful tips that you gave. As you were talking, you know, about don't be afraid to get help. I had written down, you know, a second opinion. And then a second later, you said, go get a second opinion because counselors are not always right. We're all human. It's just like going to a doctor. One doctor may say one thing. And if you're feeling like, hey, no, there's something wrong. I I need a second opinion. You go to someone else and they discover something is wrong. You know, that's what you need to do is get that second opinion. But you're also talking about how you went outside of the therapy setting and you went to a community group, Celebrate Recovery, which are held in churches, if you're not aware of what Celebrate Recovery is, that's really showing that how there are many resources out there to help us. And a portion of people who have PTSD get help through a counselor, but a portion of people who have PTSD get help through family, friends, and community outreach groups and one-on-one mentoring with somebody. So I love that you gave those examples of different ways to get help and definitely give yourself grace. We need to do that. I think we are too hard on ourselves. 
So today we have listeners who've experienced PTSD, some anger issues, and struggling with identity crisis. You have three big things right there, the PTSD, the anger issues, and the identity crisis. Could you pray for those listeners today? Sure. Dear Lord, I just want to pray for everyone in their journey so that they can take whatever that next right step forward is. I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed in where we want to be that we forget that you first have to take that first step. So help people to make the right first step and just take it one step at a time. And don't get discouraged when you fall back a little bit. Just keep going forward. Amen. Amen. And so I want to encourage you because Amanda just said something really good, that first step. So if you're listening and you're identifying, maybe you have had anger issues, maybe you have PTSD or struggling with your identity, a mom at home who thinks she doesn't have an identity, and I'm sorry that society puts that on you. That first step, what is that first step? Think about that. Pray about that. Write it down. Maybe there's five steps. Maybe there's someplace, a goal of something that you want to do with your life. What are the steps that need to be taken to get to there? I often refer to like the alphabet. If we're at A and our goal is to be at L, we beat ourselves up because we're not at L, but we're still at A. And we have to do A, B, C, D, E. We have to do all the steps to get to the letter L. So what is the next step that you can do in your life? And just focus on that one. And when you've accomplished that well, then focus on the next one until you get to that place where your goals are of what you want to be. I have so appreciated having you here, Amanda. And I want people to know how they can connect with you online and purchase your book. Can you share that with us? Yeah, my book is available on Amazon at Women of the Military. Just search for it. Or you can go to my blog, airmentomom.com, and there's a link to my book and the podcast and my blogs, I guess. <laughs> and I'm also on social media at airmentomom for LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Amanda, you are just a rock star. I love your heart. I love your transparency and your willingness just to be used by God to minister to individuals because I believe that God is using you not just for women, but it's for men as well who have experienced PTSD, identity crisis, the military life, what that is like. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a true pleasure and honor to have you on my show. Thank you. So for those of you that want to know about those links that we shared with you, all of our show notes and links can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We've got some awesome ones coming up soon. We would appreciate if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And I, just like Amanda, would love to stay connected with you. So be sure to find me on Instagram or on my Facebook page at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this show has helped you on your own journey of healing and that there's some tips that Amanda shared with us today that are giving you hope as you take your next step forward in your journey of healing. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with Jesus.